people want to know when is something and then what time is it, what date is it, what channel is it on, and targeting those sorts of terms within your related SEO headlines that will appear on search results pages is incredibly valuable. I'm Eric Schwartzman, author of The Digital Pivot, and this is the Earned Media Podcast. My guest today is Louisa Fromm. She is the SEO director at ESPN.com. Before that, she was the SEO editor at the Los Angeles Times. Now, according to SimilarWeb, ESPN.com is the 83rd highest trafficked website on the internet. They have nearly 580 million visitors a month who average 3.6 pages per visit with a duration of almost nine and a half minutes. Now, just over 70% of that traffic is direct. And the second most popular channel is organic search at 21%. After that is social at just under 4%. Next is email at just over 3%. Uh, ESPN.com is the highest trafficked sports site on the internet, and their biggest competitor is CBSSports.com at just over 97 million visits per month, and um, Sports.Yahoo.com, which does about 116 million unique visits a month. Uh, NFL.com is just over 100 million a month. Um, Interestingly enough, the top athletes names that are getting the most search uh, results in organic traffic that lead to ESPN.com are Andy Murray, the tennis player first, then Conor McGregor, the fighter, then Patty Gimblet, the fighter, and then Rafael Nadal, the tennis player, which is curious because I don't think of fighting in tennis as top sports. Like I would think it would be soccer or baseball or basketball or football, but it looks like that's where the search volume is. Maybe I'm wrong. But we're going to find out after this. Stay with us. Louisa, welcome to the Earn Media Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. So when when you think about all the different sports that ESPN.com covers, could you prioritize for us which sports result in the most organic search traffic, like from most to least? So, you know, my personal ideology um, when, you know, approaching a site like ESPN and, you know, kind of creating the strategy for this team um, is that I really don't want any single sport to feel that they are higher ranked than another sport. Um, That was something that I really wanted to bring into this team when I took it on. Um, And, you know, when I started working with my analysts and, you know, when we were kind of setting goals for our work together is that we want every single team to, and every single sport in section to feel that they are being equally prioritized within our workflow and within our trainings and within the rollout of all of our different objectives. So I would just say that to start that in general, with the way that we view our large organization, um, we're trying not to really like rank different sports over one another, because I think there maybe had been a little bit of a feel of that before we got here. Um, and we want to do our best, at least just on the SEO front, to make sure that every single section is well taken care of, that they feel that they can rely on us as a resource um, and that they're getting, you know, the appropriate amount of 
care and guidance from us. Um, and they don't feel, you know, shorted compared to any other team. Um, so I would just point that out to start. Um, that being said, though, you know, being in a country like the United States, obviously you will see a good amount of attention going towards the NFL, the MLB, the NBA. Um, those, you know, just three sort of core leagues obviously drive a lot of traffic. Um, I would say off of the NFL, you know, slightly different, but college football is also huge, you know, just with the, the U.S. audience. Um, but it was interesting in your intro, I was, I was, you know, listening very closely to that, the, the different mentions of combat and tennis, um, because, you know, something, again, going back to our SEO team ideology that we have of that, you know, every single section of our website and every single sport and focus deserves the same amount of attention. Um, we have found in working with our combat teams and working with our tennis teams that even though those particular like sports may be much smaller compared to the other bigger leagues that I mentioned, they can have extremely passionate fan bases that are worth catering to because they're the types of people who, when you mention those other stats, are going to come back consistently to view the content related to their favorite fighters, to their favorite, you know, players. Um, and they're they're really going to drive up that time on site over time because it's an extremely passionate, you know, smaller niche fan base, but still very big, fan, um, you know, very excitable fan base. Um, so I would just say that, you know, kind of in response to that, um, you know, I mentioned the big leagues that I think do drive a lot of the attention and traffic, but we're really looking to prioritize every single section at ESPN because every sport that we cover um, is is worthy of our you know time and attention and effort um, and those search results that we're seeking. So when you think about like, first of all, I love tennis. I'm not a big sports fan for the other popular sports like you know football. I mean, I'll watch a game and but I'm like a Super Bowl you know watcher or a World Series watcher or or a basketball game watcher if a friend wants to watch it. But tennis, I love. And it's funny because, you know, it doesn't, it's not really, it's not really an American sport. It's more of a global sport, kind of like soccer. I mean, so when you, in terms from a staffing standpoint, which are the toughest sports to handle at ESPN.com? Like which require the most writers? Um, well, I mean, the, the big league that I mentioned, you know, I mean, the NBA, NFL, MLB, certainly those types of leagues when, you know, they're they're going to capture so much of the U.S. attention. I mean, they're going to have very big, um, you know, like writing teams behind them because there is so much news going on at any one given time with those particular leagues. I would see I would say that even off season now, we're seeing more and more related news still pop through around different players and different teams within those leagues. So it is kind of interesting, you know, sometimes when you'll you'll chat with someone who's on the college football side, for instance, college football is so dominant during its season, but it's also becoming more and more relevant and newsworthy, even in its off season, just with recruiting and different things like that. Um, so I would say, I mean, I would go back to those big leagues just in terms of the amount of staffing that they need. They absolutely require that because not only is there such an intense news cycle in season, obviously, um, in more recent years, they've they've also stayed very newsworthy, even in their off seasons. Um, so, yeah. I know that I know that similar web estimates are usually a little high because they work off a proxy, so it's not exact. But but twenty one percent of five hundred and eighty million 
is about 122 million unique visitors a month through organic search. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's bigger than any of your competitors. Is that about what you guys are seeing? I mean, ballpark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's not far off, far off from the ballpark that we're working in. Um, and, you know, one thing that I would share is it is very unique just in, a, you know, from like a search standpoint, um, working with a brand where, you know, you, you mentioned what the internal amount um, was. And it, this is my first time really working for a brand that had that much internal traffic just based off of the brand name, you know. Um, so that that does impact the search strategy. And it's why, you know, we are very proud of the chunk of the pie that we have. Um, but we want to build that so much bigger um, because, you know, we know that we're fortunate to have so much brand name recognition and we can always kind of fall back on that. But what my team and I found just in the first few months that we've been working together is that there is so much like low hanging fruit still left for ESPN to get. And there are so many more ways that we can be really capitalizing on, you know, di- different search best practices to make that search number even bigger. So our goal what definitely isn't think, to take. A- what do you Sorry. think overall search demand is for sports, just as a subject? Like, have you, do you know? I mean, do you have a sense of what kind of monthly organic search traffic there is for all sports globally? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't give you a number associated with it, but I can tell you that having worked at a variety of different, you know, big publishers, um, sports, and then also I would, this would be my first shameless plug for it, but I love Google Trends. Um, in particular, I, I, I did work there for a year and I learned a lot about what are the types of stories that consistently pop through in search interests. And Google Trends has a fantastic real-time stories view where you can see what are the biggest stories of that day on search. And that really helps with pitching. And I can tell you from working at several big publishers and regularly checking that real-time search um, stories view, sports, I would say it, it would probably, it would either be sports or politics was the most common sort of theme that you would see running through maybe the top 30 stories on that view. Um, and in particular with sports, another interesting trend that you would see on the real-time stories was that later in the day in the U.S., so when, you know, the games kind of take over, sports would really dominate that entire view. So it would go from being, you know, pretty common and commonly placed throughout that sort of um, feed to being the dominant theme in the feed. So those would just be some kind of off-the-top observations that I would say, but absolutely, I've seen over the course of my career that um, sports is something people are very hungry for, on search, um, in particular, just certain evergreen sort of approaches that people would have, as in like, who won the, where is the insert championship name here? Um, you know, like people are always looking for player stats. That's another thing that will, you know, oftentimes come up. There are a lot of, you know, interesting sort of nuggets that you can play into when it comes to sports. And I think that's what keeps them so relevant within the search landscape. So yeah, absolutely. It's frustrating as heck as, as a consumer. Like sometimes um, if I'm watching a, a t- tennis tournament, um, the rights holding broadcaster will change as the uh, draw advances. So mm-hmm. like, you know, tennis channel might have the early rounds, then it might move to ESPN, then it might move to network. Sure. And so, you know, when you're trying to find the, the freaking match through search, it's really tough. And when you try to find, you know, search what channels it on, or it's it's almost impossible to find. 
that seems like it's a real problem. Is this something you guys are focused on? Oh, 100%. I mean, what you just mentioned of how to watch, insert here, um, you know, inside of sports and outside of sports, even if you're just talking entertainment, so maybe you're talking an award show, or maybe you're talking, you know, politics, you want to, um, how to watch, you know, Biden's inauguration speech, whatever it might be. I have always been a very, very big fan of these types of utility pieces. People want to know when is something and then what time is it? What date is it? What channel is it on? And targeting those sorts of terms within your related SEO headlines that will appear on search results pages is incredibly valuable. And that's how you can directly tap into, you know, that sort of user behavior, because that comes up all the time, just kind of across the board when it comes to anything that people can be watching, um, especially within it. I'm always underwhelmed by those results. I never find what I need. And I guess it's because each market may be showing it on a different at a different time or on a different channel or on a different number. So it's like, it seems like it's an, really an impossible scenario. And if you look at like um, search on Apple TV, or if you look at like search on DirecTV or any of those services, it's abysmal. I mean, if you don't put in the exact right name of it as they have it listed, you don't get it. So if it's the 56th annual uh, WTA women's final, and you don't put in 56 before, you don't even find it. Yeah, it is really important to be as specific as possible. And, you know, that's where Google Trends can really help because it can directly show you the queries that people are searching for. Um, so you would know exactly how to phrase it so that you can directly connect with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely understand how things can get lost in translation um, between, you know, what one user might search and then getting the right corresponding result. Um, but, you know, I can also say that is something that my team, at least, is actively working um, to try to alleviate. Um, we want to provide that, you know, how to watch content, especially for the big tentpole events um, where you don't want to miss any of the action. Um, it's really important from a utility standpoint that we deliver, you know, that sort of content to you at the right time. So we will keep cracking away at it. <laughs> we are talking to Louisa from she is the SEO director at ESPN. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about how they're operationalizing SEO at ESPN.com. Stay with us. Louisa, tell us a little bit about SEO from an operational standpoint at ESPN.com. How do articles get search optimized? And if they do get search optimized, and what's the process? Um, so, you know, first, I think it's very necessary to, you know, just go over my team because um, I could never do it alone. And, you know, now that we're starting this brand new initiative um, and, you know, team that we brought in, it's very important to incorporate everybody. So I was brought in um, as the SEO director, um, and I'm very fortunate to work with two incredibly talented analysts on my team. Um, and they do, you know, so much of the incredible legwork with the individual sections, making sure that, you know, they're getting regular trending reports um, on all the different topics that they need to be aware of. Um, so that sort of, you know, back and forth interaction and regular communication is very key to, you know, making our, our goals come to life, I would say, for what we're trying to do in terms of evangelizing SEO throughout the newsroom. Um, so there's that. I would say also when it comes to directly tackling, um, you know, different stories that are going through the pipeline. Uh, you know, as many different organizations do, we love Slack. 
at ESPN. So we have a Slack channel that's dedicated to SEO. It's just hashtag SEO. And since we have that channel, that's where we directly funnel different requests. People can flag their articles in there. They can flag whichever, you know, sort of CMS backend elements that they're already working on. And from there, we can actually like dig into their articles, read through them, scan for important keywords, do backing keyword research on our different, you know, keyword tools like Google Trends, SEMrush, um, and be able to call out for them different changes and edits that they might want to make to certain fields like their SEO titles, their, you know, URLs, their meta descriptions, things like that. So we can provide that one-on-one -on -one guidance on a regular basis. Um, I think that also helps us to build up that regular communication um, that I was noting in order to really build trust. Um, one of the biggest goals of my team when we were coming in was that we wanted to, you know, create this very strong um, SEO foundation for the newsroom and make them feel comfortable with these different SEO concepts and best practices so that we could kind of demystify SEO and make it something that was very approachable and understandable um, and something that they'd want to embrace within their content. So that's really been the bigger overarching goal. Um, and then down the line, you know, as we continue this sort of regular one-on-one -on -one work with our different writers and editors, um, you know, when we were building that foundation initially, we made sure to prioritize training um, very early on um, with all of the different sections, because a big lesson that I've learned working in the you know search world in general is that if you're going to work with an organization or a newsroom, you know, you can't come in and just be a one-off SEO that's going to throw things at somebody and then not properly explain the background and the context and ideology behind it. So we really wanted to set that standard early and conduct these trainings with every section of the newsroom so that they would know, you know, we're not just going to randomly pop in and try to tell you what to do. We want to work on this hand in hand with you and be a consistent resource that you can depend on and make sure that you're on the same page with us in terms of these best practices that we're well, you know, going to be that's promoting. An interesting, that's an interesting uh, point for a segue because sure. I mean, you've got so many pages on your site. So how do you handle internal linking? How do you make sure you're not cannibalizing yourself and, and, and you're consistent in terms of where you're pointing with different terms? Yeah, I mean, internal linking with a site like ESPN, there's there's no getting around it, right? It, it is it is a different beast. Um, the way I always like to look at it, you know, just being like the, the optimist and seeing things on the bright side is, you know, we really do have a treasure trove of content that we can pull from. Um, working at a place like ESPN, you know, we funnel into so many of the same tentpole topics on a regular basis. Um, you know, working in sports, you do have more of an ability to know when planned events are happening. Um, so, you know, we we really do create a lot of content around a lot of similar themes on a regular basis that gives you a wealth of material that you can, you know, link back to within different pieces. So. Something I do put this at the, you know, in a very big portion of our, you know, initial training deck that I was referring to, um, you know, when it comes to internal linking, it's crucial that we weave that, you know, web of authority throughout our pieces, um, because there's there's very rarely a topic that we're covering where we don't have any related content on it. So for a site like us, you know, you did mention that we have great authority in the, in the sports space, which we're very proud of. But in order to keep that authority firmly in place, we need to consistently be funneling into our internal linking strategy and, you know, not not fall short there. So that's something that my team and I definitely took on um, in our first few months, just in promoting that to the different sections and making it clear what the importance of that is. 
Um, I do understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, keeping track of it. That definitely can be overwhelming. But I think the way that my team and I look at it and what we try to promote to the sections that take it, you know, one article at a time and just always view things, you know, through that sort of logical narrative lens. Like if I were to build a narrative of authority throughout this piece, what would be the most logical, you know, internal links to include? I A big thing that I push for in SEO in general um, it's, it really is just one of, you know, my cornerstones is to not overcomplicate it, right? I think sometimes when we let things kind of spiral out of our vision, that that's where, you know, things can get confusing and wires can get crossed. So I'm always all about what is the objective we're trying to achieve here? We want to create, you know, this narrative web of authority. What are the top articles that we should be including in order to accomplish that? And then just kind of take it from there. Yeah, so I, I really take it on like a, a, an article by article basis. What's well, interesting. So I'm at ESPN.com forward slash tennis. And when I go to ESPN.com forward slash tennis, I get the following submenu items. I get home scores, schedule rankings, players, and then grand slam history, and then tickets. Now, if I search grand slam history in an incognito window, you guys are number one. So congratulations. Nice. <laughs> so is that is that is that like the strategy? Is that you know all grand slam history internal references would link over to this landing page? And if so, is that handled manually, or is there some technology you use to manage those internal links? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good question. Um, so this does come up. You know, I would say at a a, a site, the scope of ESPN. Um, automated linking, uh, I actually just had, you know, a conversation about it earlier today. Um, it is something that we utilize at ESPN because in particular, when it comes to player pages and team pages, things like that, obviously throughout a lot of our content, we're going to be mentioning players, team and different teams where it would make sense within our linking strategy to have that link that automatically goes there to drive more traffic to that, you know, individual player profile page or that team profile page. That is automated. Um, and I think that makes sense that, you know, we have a tool on the back end that makes sure that that's done. I, it's just for a utility purpose. I think that makes perfect sense within our strategy. So, so just just so for people who may not know what you're saying, what you're basically saying is if, if, if it says Rafael Nadal, the technology is going to link his name back to his player page. Yes. I mean, that's, that's the strategy that's in place. Yes. Got it. Well, let me ask you this. Are you guys currently using any sort of artificial intelligence tools to help create articles? Oh, so are you referring to, you know, if we were to work with like an outside vendor that could, you know, create, um, you know, kind of like brief sort of quick hit articles on different like game recaps, things like yeah, that? Or even like that AI assist, some sort of AI assist to help writers put stories together quicker? Um, well, you know, that is that is a strategy that, you know, um, exists with, within the company. I mean, I think for certain use cases where it is more of like a quick hit sort of game recap or summary, um, you know, that, that sort of, you know, technique and, you know, partnership could be utilized. But the, you know, the vast majority of our content that we're really promoting on our homepage and pushing um, is, is written by our writing staff. Louisa, now now 70% of the traffic at ESPN.com is direct. Now, I would guess that most of that's coming from the app, right? 
We do get a lot of app activity. Yeah, we're we're very fortunate for that. Um, you know, just in terms of the amount of effort that goes into maintaining that app and creating content for that app. Um, you know, it's it's great to see those sorts of numbers. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I would say like the the app really does help to drive that. So when I'm using the app, um, I don't really use the search function in the app. I pretty much just tap to the sport that I'm looking for, and then I'll follow maybe the score on a game or that type of thing. Um, is that basically how the apps are used, or is in-app search a big thing? Um, I think it depends on the individual user. Um, you know, I, I, I personally have searched within the app. I think it can be very effective, but it, my big thing, especially when it comes to search on any platform, is that you just want to honor that individual's personal journey and what they're looking for. So if it makes sense to look for something on the search bar within the app, that'll be great. But I think there's many other features in the app that people could instead, you know, kind of use to drive their experience. So um, I'll use a classic SEO phrase. I think it really depends um, in that case, you know, what, what feature will most cater to whatever objective that user has. So, you know, you have had the benefit of practicing SEO at such a large scale on these massive sites. Yeah. Um, what sort of technical SEO ninja moves have you learned over the years that you can share with our listeners? Um, I mean, you know, to be completely transparent, the bulk of my focus in my, you know, news SEO career um, has been on content SEO. Um, so I, I have been very fortunate to work with some incredibly talented product SEO folks um, at the different newsrooms um, that I've been a part of. Um, but I will I will just be upfront about that, that the technical side of SEO has not been at the forefront of my work um, within different newsrooms. Um, that being said, you know, I mean, I'm certainly very thankful to different tools like Google Search Console, Google Analytics um, for, you know, their ability to track different aspects of, you know, your site health and things like that. Um, but yeah, just, just to be upfront about that, um, you know, the content kind of creative side of SEO has been where I've put my focus personally. What, well, what sort of content creative uh, tips, if, if any, might you be able uh, to tell us about that you stumbled on or any great tips or tricks that you can share with listeners about how to increase their rankings? Sure. Um, that I have a lot of. Um, so definitely working in, you know, news SEO, um, I start to sound like a broken record with it, but Google Trends is an absolute necessity for anyone who works in news SEO um, for a variety of different reasons. And this isn't just because I've worked for them personally. I fangirled over them for a very long time and still do even now that I don't work there. Um, you just need to be thinking about their platform if you're working in a newsroom with SEO for a couple of different reasons. So first off, um, you know, as I mentioned, there's an amazing real-time story speed within Google Trends where you can see in that exact moment, what are the top stories across every sort of topic area that are popping, you know, with search audiences. And that can really help you kind of sift through the noise and directly pitch the best ideas for search to your different editors and writers in your newsroom. That is really like invaluable, just to be able to get a gauge of out of all the stories out there, what are the biggest ones that are popping at any given time and which ones would cater most to your audience. So everyone should absolutely be looking at that. Also um, within the individual search bar function of Google Trends, that's going, you know, to be really beneficial to you anytime that you're already working on a specific article or you have a specific topic in mind, because um, you can type in whatever that topic is, type in, you know, an area that you want to look in, a date range, 
and you'll be able to see a few different things. You'll go down, you'll see a map, um, you know, sort of function where you can see what are, you know, the top like states, if you're looking in the U.S. that are searching for that term, you can even drill that down further into, you know, cities and counties. Um, you can also, you know, beneath that, and I think this is one of the most valuable parts, go to the rising queries and the top queries for that particular term. So rising queries is where you're going to be able to see more so like what are the trending angles around that particular topic. So say you typed in, you know, um, World Series, you would be able to see like, okay, who are the top players that are kind of trending? What are, or like, what are the, you know, kind of the breakout questions that people have about the World Series? A lot of those things can directly transfer over into articles. So you have that. And then on the top query side, that's where it'll really help you zone in, especially if you're starting a new news cycle. This is like a brand new topic that dropped, but you're going to be covering it consistently. You'll be able to see, oh, okay, what is the top keyword that I really need to zone in on? consistently throughout this news cycle to directly connect with what my audience is referring to this event as. Um, so that's incredibly helpful within Google Trends. Um, also, just a few other features that people, these are great hacks that not everyone was aware of with Google Trends because the, you know, the views that I mentioned are great. On the home page of Google Trends, you'll actually see, you know, curated pages that are set up around tentpole events and big topics of interest. So um, an example that I would, you know, give um, was, you know, Halloween just recently had a really fun page that was up there. And even before I worked for the Google Trends team, I wondered, you know, are those pages kind of automated or are they hand created by people on the team? And they are handcrafted. So a lot of thought goes into them from the different members of the team. And they're really worth your time when it comes to pinpointing specific questions that people might have about that event or about that topic. Um, and looking at some other interesting graphs and visuals that you could directly transfer over into pieces of content that would be very search friendly. So there are those. And I promise I'll shush about Google Trends in a second, but can't, you know, let anything go to waste. Um, there's also a fantastic Google Trends daily newsletter that any news SEO should be signed up for. Um, it is fantastic, also hand curated by different team members. And that's going to also sift through the noise and directly call out what are the biggest topics that are popping in, you know, search when it comes to news. And it'll give you those nice breakdowns of like, what are the trending questions around these topics? What are the top questions? What are different, you know, kind of keyword elements that you could directly apply to your content to really boost your search potential? It's basically just a guide is how I would look at it for how you should craft your content to really line things up for search. So you should absolutely be signed up for that. That goes out like Monday through Friday, usually, unless there's a holiday. Um, and then in addition to that, that newsletter, once you're signed up, does include an email alias uh, directly for the trends team. It's just trendsdatateam at google.com. So if you are, you know, working at a publisher, you're a news SEO strategist, and you look up something on Google Trends, maybe you wanted to get more granular with the amount of trending questions behind something or you want to get a little bit more localized, but Google Trends is coming up short, you can directly reach out to the Google Trends team and do and get custom data pulled, um, you know, in connection with them, which that was a hack that I didn't even know about when I was working in News SEO before I joined the team. And I, you know, just if you are, you know, working at a legitimate publisher and you want more of that backend information, it's absolutely worth reaching out and seeing what the Google Trends team could pull up on the backend because there is a wealth of data. Um, on that side. So I would call those things out absolutely about Google Trends because it's such a great tool. 
in addition to that, though, other tools that I love, I mean, SEMrush, which I know is a favorite in the SEO community. Um, it's fantastic for evergreen keyword research. So in particular, you know, anytime that you're working at a publisher where you have big tentpole themes that you're covering on a regular basis or maybe different themes that are related to seasonality, um, that's always, you know, just a fantastic tool to use to really drill down on what are the top keywords that you could cover in different pieces of content. Um, I could really go on and on. I wasn't sure how far you wanted me to go, but hey, great um, stuff, so, great yeah. stuff. You know, I, I no, I appreciate it. I, I'm going to sign up for that newsletter. Thanks for that. Yeah. Here's one thing that kind of frustrates me with uh, Google Trends. Um, you know, th there's no number on for the for the y-axis. You know, it's it so you don't know total volume. You know, they sort of hide that. Any sort of, is there any way to estimate that? Or is there some sort of workaround where you can get the volume? So to be honest, um, this question, you know, comes up like, you know, occasionally. And the, my response always is just to take it kind of at face value, what you're seeing there. Um, I would go back to one of my favorite SEO phrases, which is don't overcomplicate it. Um, I think when you look at those graphs, just in a very straightforward way, they tell you exactly what you need to know. And there really isn't a reason to get more granular with it. I think it's it's overcomplicating something that really was created to be a simple view that's trying to show you when did something spike in interest, when did it fall, and give you that general trajectory. So well, even though I can guys, understand, I mean, you I can guys are covering that. you guys are covering sports. There's so much volume. You don't have to worry. But like for someone who's doing you know niche content or B two B or something. Sometimes you go in there, there's not even any volume for those terms. So for that, I mean, what I would say is it really depends on what tool you use, right? Because I, I personally love how SEMrush, right, on certain things can give you a very good idea of what is, you know, the different like search volume, like the monthly search volume for different things. So I think that's where you need to be aware of what is the best tool to be using. I think Google Trends definitely serves its individual purpose. But if you ever are much more focused on like those MSV values, the monthly search value, that's a monthly search volume. That's where you want to be incorporating things like SEMrush. So I would, in that particular scenario, just switch out your tool. Um, I think different tools have different purposes and different views that can, you know, benefit your strategy. Good stuff. Hey, um, Louisa from SEO Director at ESPN. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I had a great time. For more on how you can earn influence through earned media, get the Digital Pivot audiobook at digitalpivotbook.com.